Haptus, episode 132, Running the Wrong Way. We're in football season, and so obviously I just have to use a lot of football analogies. One of the most infamous plays in football history was that of Vikings defensive end Jim Marshall in a game against the 49ers on October 25th, 1964. In the second quarter of that game, the 49ers fumbled the football. Marshall recovered the fumble, and in a moment of confusion, ran 66 yards in the wrong direction, scoring a safety for the 49ers. And this play is often referred to as the wrong way run. Uh, you can still look up video of this. It's, it's quite humorous because he's running the wrong direction, and the 49 players are running right behind him. They, they figured out that he's going the wrong way. So they're not running with any urgency. They're just staying behind him in case he figures it out and tries to turn around. And they let him run all the way into the end zone, scoring a safety for the 49ers, which means they get two points, and now the Vikings have to punt the football back to them. And so when Marshall crosses the line, he throws the ball in the air in the celebration, only to be congratulated not by his teammates, but by the 49ers players. And I think that that's a picture that can happen to us sometimes in ministry. In confusion, chaos, hustle and bustle, we get into a busy season. We quote-unquote recover the football, but we're running the wrong direction. We're not actually advancing the kingdom of God in the direction that we need to. We're going the wrong ways. We're going backwards. We're, 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 we major on things at the expense of the things that really actually advance the kingdom of God. We have an expression that we use around here at this church all the time. We need to row the boat. And this expression implies that all of us have a responsibility to move the mission forward to, to the proper end zone which means I'm grabbing a paddle and I'm helping do the work. That means we, we serve, we give, we sacrifice. And if every single one of us is, is doing that for the mission of Christ, then the mission is advanced. But I wonder if sometimes we are rowing the boat the wrong direction. I wonder if sometimes in our hustle and our bustle and our busyness, we're actually running the wrong way. We're, we're doing the wrong things. You see, that's what happened to Marshall. He thought he was rowing the boat. He thought he was helping his team. However, Marshall was running the wrong way. He was, he was paddling in the wrong direction. And what Marshall thought that he was doing to actually advance the mission was actually hindering the mission. And I wonder if the same thing happens to us as church leaders. We're rowing the wrong direction, and we don't even realize it that we're going the wrong direction. I want to read a, a Bible passage to you that's familiar to all of us. Uh, and, 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 and we've heard this passage before, probably taught even in the same vein in which I'm about to teach it, but I, but I want to show and point out a few additional things. This is about Martha and her desire to serve Jesus with her resources, her talents, and yet she's rowing the boat in the wrong direction. Luke chapter number 10, verse 38 through 42 says this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Help her then. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion and it will not be taken from her. Now, when you read this passage, Martha is obviously a woman who is a go-getter. She's someone I'd want on my team. 
We know that she has a home. And when she sees Jesus coming into town, she decides she's going to use her resources, mainly her home and her talent, to provide the meal, to play hostess, and to minister to Jesus. And I I appreciate this about Martha, and I suspect that a lot of you would too. However, in the hustle of serving, she, she allows herself to get so busy in serving Christ that she starts to get anxious and troubled about many things. And in her anxious, frustrated state, she found herself rowing the boat in the wrong direction. And that's what happens to us all the time as church leaders. We have resources and talents. We desire to use those talents for God to help advance his kingdom. So for example, we have the ability to teach. So we, we want to start a weekly Bible study. We, we have the ability to organize events. So we want to put on a big community event, or we have the spiritual gift of generosity. So we desire to organize uh, a bunch of people to get together, to raise money for a specific missions endeavor. We have passions about kids. So we want to put on a VBS all this stuff. And what we're doing is we're front loading our schedule with ministry opportunities because we're passionate, but the busyness and the hustle and bustle of those endeavors start to overtake us and we get angry and frustrated. And that's exactly what happened to Martha. She developed misplaced busyness and that misplaced busyness was causing her to actually go the wrong direction. She was not drawing closer to Christ. She was actually pulling further away from him. And that's exactly what happens to us in ministry when we allow misplaced busyness to start to overtake our schedule. We start with good intentions. We start with good desires to move the ball towards the end zone, to row the boat the right direction. But the busyness, the hustle, the bustle creates anxiety and troubledness in our own heart, it leads to frustration and we're actually going the wrong way. Now, I want to give you two lists. The first one is is Martha's overzealous, busy schedule led to three negative side effects. And then I want to give you two a second list that has two different tension points in trying to overcome this because because we've all heard this this passage this morning and and, and we've all we've all read this we've all heard you know teaching on this and and in the list of three negative side effects we're, we're familiar with those and so we we're going to naturally say well yeah we got to overcome that but there's there's two tension points that make it very difficult to eliminate the clutter on the schedule to overcome the busyness and so I want to give you those two different lists the first one is this let's talk about the negative side effects that Martha had First, Martha's misplaced busyness caused unnecessary anger towards others. Now, I'm the type of person who truly believes that misery loves company. I I believe in teams, and I believe that in the team, if one member of the team is suffering, then I think we should all suffer, right? And I know this is a little bit messed up, but this is how I was raised, and this is how I tend to operate. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just how I think about things. So if the toilet's overflowing in the bathroom and you have a mop, I'm going to help jump in and try to figure out how I can help you clean it up. If the toilet's overflowing, I have a mop and I see you walk by, look at me and, you know, nod your head at me and keep walking. I'm irritated with you. That's just the bottom line because I believe in messy situations. We should all be in the misery. Again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it is what it is. That's just my personality, my expectations. I want people to help row the boat with me and I want to help other people row the boat. So when people help me row the boat, they are my respect. When they don't row the boat, I lose all respect for them. But what happens when I'm rowing the boat and I should have left the boat at the dock? What happens when I'm rowing the boat the wrong direction? What happens when I'm rowing the boat out of season and no one wants to get on the boat with me? 
well, now I'm frustrated and I'm angry at them when I should really be looking in the mirror. And that's exactly what happened to Martha. Notice this passage. This was her house. Martha welcomed Jesus to her house. This was her idea. But what Jesus wanted to do was teach the people. Martha's idea was we need to put on a big meal. And so her misplaced busyness causes her to get angry with her sister, Mary. You see, Martha had this expectation that she thought Jesus needed a meal. And since she brought Jesus to her house, she expected others to help serve. And when this expectation was not met, now she's angry with Jesus. And this happens in church all the time. We have an idea. We plan an event. We, we put a 52-week Bible study together. We, we plan a serve day. We, we, we have this idea of grandeur. And we have expectations that when we present our idea, everybody's going to want to jump on board and love to be a part of the plan that we came up with. And then when people are too busy or they have other commitments or they're not interested in our plans or they just want to love Jesus more, we get frustrated and angry with those people for not helping us row the boat. Now, if someone makes a commitment to you, then bells, I understand the frustration, but that's not what happens a lot of times in church. A lot of times we have a dream, but no one wants to get on board with it because we're really going the wrong direction. And when we do, we get angry at other people. And so our busyness and our tendency to over overcomplicate things and overbook ourselves really can be a point of division in the body of Christ. So we need to be aware of this. The second thing we see is that Mary's misplaced busyness caused unnecessary anger towards Jesus. Notice that Mary is, or excuse me, Martha is not just angry with Mary, she also approaches Jesus in a very, very hostile manner. Notice that Jesus did not ask to come to Martha's house. He was welcomed and invited. And now he's sitting there teaching and Mary's listening. And Martha starts to resent Jesus because he is not advocating for her, um, her, her, her vision, if you will, to serve the meal. And I can just imagine what's going on through her mind. Does Jesus not see all the work I'm doing for him? Does he not care that I'm slaving away while everyone else is sitting around? Does he not want to make sure that I get some help so I'm not sacrificing too much? And here's what I wonder. How many times are we burdening ourselves with busyness and just busy work at church and ministry? We're laboring towards things that Jesus never even asked for to begin with. Jesus didn't ask Martha to do this. She took it upon herself, and now she's frustrated with him because he isn't making everyone else jump on board with her. And I think that's what happens for us a lot of times. We start doing things for Jesus that Jesus never asked us to do, and then we get frustrated at him when he doesn't put that burden, that misplaced burden, in someone else's life. And now we're so busy, we're burning ourselves out, we're getting frustrated and angry, and we're turning that resentment and anger towards Jesus. I, I just don't believe that we should ever come to a place where we hate the church, hate Jesus, and hate ministry. And I think the reason why a lot of people get to that point is because we, and I'm putting myself in the same category, we came up with an idea that Jesus really didn't sanction to begin with. Now, it, I'm not saying it's sinful. I'm not saying that, you know, we're going to hell for it. We have to repent. I'm just saying it's misplaced. Martha's ambition in this moment was absolutely misplaced. Jesus calls her on it here in just a second. And so we have to be aware of that, that we can, we we can allow ourselves to get to a place where we're angry at Christ because of our own misplaced busyness. 
Third, Martha's misplaced busyness was robbing her of her spiritual vitality. Because Martha was laboring for Christ, she wasn't actually being fed by him. You know, we, we see Martha trying to serve Jesus a meal when Jesus is actually trying to serve her a spiritual meal. And I know, again, I, I'm guilty of this. Sometimes ministry work hinders my first calling, which is a relationship with Christ. I, I'm, I'm doing work for the church, but Christ is not doing a work in me because I'm just too busy, quote unquote, working for the kingdom. And what happens in these seasons is our spiritual vitality starts to wane and is, is, is severely hampered. And what happens when our spiritual vitality is hampered is that the spiritual lifeblood of us starts to, to shrivel up, to dry out, and, and, and we start to die a little bit on the inside spiritually. You know, the, I, I think when you start looking at this passage and we see these three, these three ill effects of, of an overcommitted work schedule, being too busy, doing things that Jesus didn't ask us to do, the natural response is to say, stop doing so much. You know, Martha overbooked and overcommitted. So our natural response would be, well, we should just clear our schedules, prioritize better, and focus on what's most important. And we probably all agree that that's a good idea. That this is, again, this is not the first time you've read this passage and had any of the thoughts that I just shared with you. But here's the problem with all that. There's a tension in just clearing the calendar. There's a tension point in just prioritizing better. There's a tension point that no, no one wants to acknowledge when we stop doing things. And, and, and here are those two tension points. And they're, they're, these, these two tension points are why we continually overbook ourselves with busyness when we know that it's bad for us. That first tension point is that we have to be careful what we commit ourselves to. You see, this was Martha's house. This was Martha's idea. And now she's angry that no one's running with her. And I think what happens a lot of times, we have a vision and an idea, and we don't know how to sell that vision, or we're not willing to run towards that vision alone. You see, Martha had this vision. She wanted to host Jesus. But Martha did not have the leadership skills to get the team on board. And additionally, Martha was not willing to carry out this vision on her own. We know those two things are a reality because, number one, she's working by herself. And number two, when she finds herself working by herself, she's angry that she is working by herself. So here's the advice. And this is where this tension point comes into play. Before I sit out and commit to a project for Christ, I need to make sure that Jesus has actually called me to that project. Then I need to be willing to go on that project alone if no one else helps me. If I'm in this boat paddling alone, I have the conviction that I'm going to keep rowing as hard as I can because Jesus told me to. And I need to refine the skills to actually recruit and help somebody lead the team. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of times we just don't have the skills to recruit and lead the team. And that's why we're rowing alone. You know, Martha did not know how to get people on board, which really leads to the second tension point. Martha's doing all the work because people are used to Martha doing all of the work. Was Martha doing all the work because she wouldn't allow anyone else to work because they couldn't do it as well as she could? Was she a micromanager? Who knows? Maybe. Was Martha only doing all the work because she had been catering to their laziness so long that she was enabling them? Maybe. Was Martha the only one doing the work because she had not asked anyone else for help because she wanted to be the superstar in Jesus' eye? Maybe. We don't know what the answer is. However... There was only a couple options that she had. She could stop cooking for everyone. Jesus said that she was neglecting the most important thing, and that was learning from him. She needed to be at his feet. She could just stop cooking the meal for everybody and playing hostess. But here's the problem with that, and this is where the rub comes in. There are a lot of 
people in that house that would have left because they were not going to get a free meal. And the truth is we do a lot of things in church, not because we are mission oriented, but because we don't want to lose people when we stop doing X, Y, and Z. The truth of the matter is there are some things we need to stop doing sometimes. And when we stop doing those things, there are going to be people who are going to leave. But we have to be willing to let that happen because where Martha needed to be was at Jesus' feet. She didn't need to be cooking in that moment. The church is also notorious for spoon-feeding lazy believers. So when we stop enabling them, they will leave. If you're going to prioritize the important things, you're going to have to be willing for people to walk. The only other option that she had was to build the team, getting getting more people on board. But here's the problem. When you start getting more people on board, especially when they've never done something before, the quality goes down. You can see this in a worship team. A worship team is a perfect example of that. A worship team has to be able to play together. And so there has to be some intuition, be able to read each other, to be able to play off of each other. I mean, all that, all that stuff goes into, into, into play here. Um, per, perhaps the most important position is the drummer. The drummer really is the driver of the bus. So let's say you take a 13-year-old kid that's just learning how to play, and let's say he has some competence where he can keep a beat. You throw him up there, inevitably he's going he's gonna to botch it next to the guy who's been doing it for 30 years. So quality goes down, but, but, but here's the deal. You, you have to give him some reps on the field, and so you have to be willing for quality to go down. Additionally, you can't burn out the guy who's been doing it for 30 years, so the quality is going to go down. And, and when quality starts to go down, there's going to be people that are disappointed. You know, I'm, I'm sure Martha was a great cook. You know, so if someone else helping cook the meal, the quality of the food might have gone down, and there was going to be some people that were disappointed. And the same thing happens in church. No one can do a hospital visit as good as you. No one can do a wedding as good as you. No one can, you know, preach or teach as good as you. And so when we start to remove ourselves from some of these things and allow other people opportunities to have reps on the field, there's some disappointment amongst some of the other people because the quality is going down. And we just have to be willing to allow that to happen if we're going to prioritize the most important thing, and that is being with Jesus. So let me wrap it up with this. Maybe you've been pulling a uh, Jim Marshall for a while and you're running towards the wrong end zone. Your busyness is misplaced and it's causing you to lose the game. Here's the silver lining in Jim Marshall's story. Uh, he has this very infamous play where he runs to the wrong end zone. What, what few people actually see is that at the end of this game, he forces a fumble and it's recovered by one of his teammates and it's ran into the end zone for the Vikings to win the game. And Jim Marshall today is considered one of the Greatest defensive ends of all time. He played in 282 consecutive games. He became a Hall of Famer. You know, everybody loves him. It was funny doing the research for this podcast because they said he was a daredevil. Uh, He accidentally shot himself in the stomach one time. He was skydiving. The chute didn't open. I mean, this dude was just tough all the way around. He's a cool guy. And here's the point for all of us. We're all going to make mistakes, and we're going to run to the wrong end zone from time to time. We're going to overcommit ourselves. We're going to get too busy. We're, we're going we're gonna to get angry at others, angry at Jesus, get our priorities out of whack. But here's the deal. It's easy to self-correct. It's easy to self-correct, and we, we, can, we can recover the fumble, so to speak, and turn the ship around. But it is going to require us to clear the schedule. It's going to require us to prioritize with Christ. It's going to require us to be willing to disappoint and lose people from time to time. But that is the price of admission for leadership because we want to get the ball in the right end zone. God bless you. We'll catch you next week.